before we talk to Ryan Spielborgs about the Colorado Rockies, let's go over our thoughts on the Rockies, thanks to BetMGM's World Series odds. So we look back at last year while we also turn it forward to 2024. Currently, if you think the Rockies are going to win the World Series, if you place $100 down, you would win $50,000 at the end of the World Series. <laughs> that is how confident... <laughs> Odds makers are that they are not going to win the World Series. Now, that is worse than last year's, plus 30,000 entering the season uh, by July, which we already kind of knew at that point. The Rockies were, in fact, not good. Sometimes they have hot starts. I don't even remember them having too much of a hot start mm. this past season. Uh, plus 100,000 by July 10th. And of course, they didn't make the playoffs. So, as of the week of July 10th, the Rockies were already in last place in the West. They were at 34 and 57. And obviously the Dodgers were running away with the division at that point, but they were also way behind in the wild card race. So plus 50,000 for the Rockies to win the World Series. Do I have any takers? And that includes all you in the chat that we are chatting with right now as well. Any takers for some money down for the Rockies? Anyone? Anyone? Going mm -hmm. once? Going twice? Uh. No? How about anybody for the Rockies <laughs> to be in playoff contention this year? Anyone? No? no. Okay. What, what, what's been your favorite move, guys, of the offseason for the Rockies? I mean, you little. Tell, you tell me. Little Cal Quantrill <laughs> action. I, I mean, yeah, I guess. Perhaps. So. Would, Todd Helton going to the Hall of Fame? That's that, a good one. That, that is was a good a great one. move. So, no. you know what stands out to me, AJ? So, I was reading Britt Giroli's article this morning in The Athletic about the Red Sox. And the one comment that I actually missed, and she pointed out from Tom Warner saying, you know, people go to Fenway for other reasons. I'm paraphrasing, like, besides just seeing a winning product, because Fenway is a location to go to. I actually thought about the Rockies in that conversation, too. And she was saying how people were pissed off about that statement. Like, yo, let's win, too. How about that? But with the Rockies, it is a premier destination in Denver for the summertime. It is a fun experience to go to a ball game in Denver. And frankly, I guess the team feels like some people don't care about the product on the field. I disagree with that and think that they would make more money if they kind of tried and put more into the ball club. But it feels like they're in a perpetual rebuild. Uh, yeah. And every year they, it seems like they get close, like when they had Arenado and and some of those other guys, you know, running around Tulowitzki and some things happening. And they get they get to the postseason and they flame out and then they just start over, right? They trade Arenado. I mean, listen, people just go to Colorado Rockies games all the time. Why? The stadium's awesome. They got the Christmas tree farm out in center field. They got a lot of cool. They got Dinger, the mascot, running around. They got a bunch of cool things. Usually, a bunch of runs are scored, which obviously fans like. They also invented Blue Moon beer at the at the uh, Coors Field. So, I mean, you know. You can sit in the stands. You can watch a Triceratops run around the field, watch some home runs, and drink a Blue Moon. That sounds like a pretty darn good night in Colorado for me. It is an awesome night, I will say. I mean, no, I no. love that park. I love that experience. I'm with you. And I, I was going to piggyback that. I've had a lot of people in the Jersey area who love baseball that live around here, and they're like, give me, give me a place to go to. And I'm like, oh, you got to go to Colorado, man. This is unbelievable. Pittsburgh, everybody, because Pittsburgh's another beautiful scene out there. You know, you got your two Chicago and, and Wrigley Field and Fenway Park, but they go out there to Colorado and they're like, well, you weren't messing around. This is a beautiful sight to see. And it's fun. And around the town, it's kind of built up a little bit too. So it's um, it's a nice area. I just wish they would kickstart again, man. It's, it, it's sad for Colorado because it, it is a beautiful place to be. And 
fun times there playing in the snow that first month. So that, that's what they're known for. Yeah, in the chat here, Bourbon and Baseball saying Brenton Doyle will be better with his bat this season. Yeah, I mean, he's a stud athlete. He didn't hit much, but that's fine. There are some individual players to pay attention to, I agree, mm-hmm. that can continue to develop. I mean, obviously, Nolan Jones had a year. He did. You know, I mean, he, that looked like a great pickup. Cleveland actually could use a player like that right about now. And, you know, they missed the boat there because I think they felt like he didn't make enough contact. Well, how's a breakout rookie season at a four-something war? I mean, that's yeah. a really, really successful first season from someone like Nolan Jones. You Dude, know? Some of the best, the coolest skies I've ever seen have been Colorado, like where storms are rolling in. It seemed like we always got like one rain delay. Yeah. The skies would turn like all these cool colors. I mean, it's a, it's a cool – plus walking from – the hotel to Coors Field is one of the coolest walks because there's a bunch of bars along the way. There's a bunch of restaurants along the yep. way. It's definitely a destination place. I wish they were a little better. Playing. I mean, I want them to go back to like the remember the Blake Street Bombers when they had Bichette and Galarraga and Walker and they just Ellis Burks and they just bludgeon you to death. They'd win every game like ten to nine and in Coors Field. Remember that one? I think it was '95. They almost had the Braves beat in the playoffs. Remember when the Braves went on to win their World Series? They they had them in the first round and they were like people were like, oh shit. The Rockies versus Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. And they kind of had them on the ropes. The Braves ended up winning, but that was a great series. The one thing I look in here, Jacob Stallings, like I'd like to talk about, mm-hmm. he's a good cat. He's going to help these young pitchers and all these guys throughout. I think from playing with him with Pittsburgh, seeing him and understanding, <clears throat> you know, how to call a game. You know, he did that with the Marlins and helped them out too as well. I think if we're looking at one, you know, bright spot, you know, I, I would say there you go. And I mean, listen – you laugh about it, but he, he is. He's a veteran guy, and he knows what he's doing behind the plate. So that's a guy that I would lean on if I'm a pitcher this year for them. Not so, saying they're going to win it all or do whatever, but he's a very good catcher. I, I want to ask Ryan, before we have him on, Spilly, what's the what's the philosophy, right? Like, what's the – they need to find a philosophy, pitch, especially pitching-wise. Like, we what, what they need to do – and Kratz and I, I think, talked about this one day – What's what's the thing that works the most? Like they need to study pitchers that do the best there and what works because you play 81 games there and I know you go on the road and things change, but for those 81 games, what's the pitching? Is it sinkers? Is it cutters on guys? Is what what's the philosophy for starting pitchers, especially and even relievers that works the best? And then what are the Rockies doing to implement in their farm system to where they develop pitchers that throw whatever that pitching sequence, whatever you want to call it is, because that's the thing. I think they tried sinker ballers. They tried fly ball guys. They've tried everything there and nothing has seemed to stick. So what is the philosophy that the Rockies have found or developed that can find pitchers that can pitch in course field 81 times? You know, AJ, we've had Dan O'Dowd on this show who I've known for years and it was like a puzzle that he was trying to solve and they did temporarily solve it. I mean, they made it to the world series the one year, obviously it was it was an exit there, but they did make it to the World Series. It's not like this team's never had success, so you can't completely blame the atmosphere and the situation there. It definitely can make it a lot more difficult, but there's something to keep in mind. So we're about to bring in Spilly. So just a little look here at the uh, BetMGM Sportsbook account holders who already have an account and can create an entry in our million-dollar playoff football challenge. You got an opportunity to win a share of a million bucks in bonus bets if you predict the three playoff football questions correctly out of the eligible users. Each entry period has three questions, so log into the app or hit up the website, go to the Promotions tab, and then complete and submit an entry. One entry per customer, permitted per entry period. 
gambling problem or concern, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay. So let's bring in Rockies broadcaster, national broadcaster, former Rocky, Ryan Spielborgs, to get into this team. And actually, I wish I could say I did this on purpose, but I'm even wearing wearing your favorite color today, Spilly. Great to see you, dude. I haven't seen you in a minute. How you been, man? I'm doing good. How are you? You look like you're still in shape. Are you eating a... Yeah. Are you eating like a bird or what are you doing over there? I actually threw down last night, AJ and me at, at dinner with, with some of the crew here behind the scenes. And he almost um, finished a four ounce steaks, Billy. He almost finished so, it. Hey, listen, I mean, like he's like Ned Flanders. If that shirt comes off, it's just shredded, shredded guys. So that's awesome. I also wore my hat backwards. So I feel like I'm part of the posse. It's good. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to you having it like this with the flat brim a little to the side, you know? Like this? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, now, yeah. Now we go. Okay, perfect. There you go. Let's let's do it Spilly style for, for 15 minutes here. So, so Spilly, uh, first off, I mean, I don't know how much you caught of this, but can you answer AJ's question about, like, what the plan is long-term and w- where you think the plan should be to get back on the winning side of things? Because there's not really any hope right now. Well, uh, yeah. You know, it's kind of funny you bring it up like that. And I did listen to you. And AJ, you you have a you have a lot of things right. It is about pitching. I, I think a couple of things that we've noticed in years past, and maybe you've heard Dan O'Dowd talk about it on MLB Network or different uh, people within the organization. About 20 years ago, there was a presentation about how sinker ball pitchers um, don't have high slug percentages against them. And as a result, like this, this one time from a long time ago, uh, really stuck with the Colorado Rockies. So there was that, that time frame where you had Aaron Cook, you saw Jason Marquis, um, you had a bunch of guys that were considered sinker ball pitchers. Now, the problem with that, and it's true, if you have really good infield defense and if they're throwing strikes, then it works, right? Like you're not going to have a ton of slug. It's going to be hard to put some um, some at bats together to score runs and, and it worked for a period of time. Unfortunately, if you do look into like the, and you guys know this, especially as catchers, sinker ball pitchers have a higher walk rate. They have a, a lower strikeout rate. And when they do miss up in the strike zone, the ball goes a long way. So that's a pretty bad recipe when you have those type of pitchers and they're not the elite level sinker ballers, a Derek, uh, you know, a Derek Lowe. Um, just, I mean, there's not a lot of really good sinker ball pitchers. So unfortunately for the Rockies, they they were always looking for that type of guy and didn't always have it. So when the Rockies were successful, they had pitchers like Herman Marcus, who could still strike people out. They had John Gray, who could still strike people out. They had Kyle Freeland when he was at the top of his game, he was pitching to contact and it was more like pop-ups. So to me, the philosophy should be, and we've noticed this too, elevated fastballs, forcing fastballs, good ride at the top of the strike zone actually does really well at Coors Field. So to me, if you want to take a combined approach of some sinker ballers with some high spin rate guys at the top of the strike zone and then come with a different mix, that is how you get back on track in Colorado. I love everything about what you said, the whole kind of talking about what kind of pitches need here, what needs to be thrown, what should. Now, to me, just hearing you say all that, isn't it just sometimes overkill a little bit? Why don't we just look for the right pitcher, a guy that could throw strikes and get guys out? You know, sometimes I think people look too far into, you know, mechanics or what a guy can do. I get the air's thin, the ball's going to travel. Why don't you get some dogs out there, some guys that could just pitch? I think that 
is something that we get away from sometimes. And I think that, you know, part of the game moving forward, that analytical part to it that we get too invested in. You're right. I mean, Todd, if you have a pitching staff that acts as if, you know, they walk around and they control the mound, even if they don't have the greatest stuff, uh, it works. The The best teams in baseball right now are, th- are consistently throwing strikes. So the Seattle Mariners lead baseball and strikes in the strike zone. The Rockies last year were at the bottom of it. Um, velocity also matters. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, last year, the Rockies were at the bottom of baseball in, in overall velocity from a, from a rotation. So when you're not throwing strikes and you're not throwing as hard as everybody, not a great combination, but you're right. That additional element, which is don't give a, don't give a rat's ass about what you're doing. I'm going to go out there and compete. That's needed. Uh, and not everybody has that. I mean, there's plenty of examples of guys that have come from uh, that visit from other organizations. They're like, dude, I can't pitch here. This place sucks. Um, and it does. I mean, that's the, that's the reality of it. Sometimes it does suck. Sometimes it's fine. Um, but the guys that have embraced it, Kyle Freeland, Chad Bettis, there, there's another uh, player from back in the day that they embrace it. Uh, Pedro, Pedro Stasio, Petey, uh, is one of the all-time, uh, you know, win winners in Rockies franchise history, and he had almost a five ERA. It's because he was just trying to beat the other guy on the other side. So you're right about that. I mean, that's that's hard to it's hard to find, hard to factor all the time when you're trying to say because I think everybody wants to compete, but until you get in that environment, that's mm-hmm. where you have to start sorting people out. Hey, don't forget Ubaldo too. Ubaldo was pretty darn good. He didn't care where through a hundred though. Well, true. I mean, you know, those guys are a dime a dozen though now, Spilly. You know, everyone throws a hundred now. What's a hundred? That doesn't mean anything anymore. All right. So I always say this when I when we used to go to Coors Field, you had to make a choice. Either the outfielders played shallow, you took the bloops away, or you moved them back and you try to take the, the gap shots away. I, I always wanted my infield or my outfielders to play in catching because I thought the bloops hurt you more than the home runs. Because most times the ball went over your head at Coors Field, it was a home run anyways. What, what's your what's your opinion on that? AJ, you you are you are speaking the right language. Play shallow. Um, we have seen the Dodgers for the last couple of years. They play the shallowest outfield at uh, at Coors Field. They also have a pitching staff that throws strikes. But it's it's what happens to the pitchers when they make a good pitch, right? Like you, you jam somebody, uh, you get somebody out on their front foot, and they just kind of flick one in the outfield. You want those to be outs. You don't want that to fall in for a hit because it's deflating. You much rather somebody steps on one of your pitches because you made a bad pitch and you're like, dude, if he makes the catch, awesome. If he doesn't, that's on me. So I'm with you. I think we have also seen some of the athletes in the last two years, like Nolan Jones, super underappreciated freak athlete. uh, And then Brenton Doyle, who's been in center field, who won a gold glove last year. That's the best center fielder course field has ever had plays a shallow center field. And so uh, I'm with you. You play shallow. You trust your skill set. If somebody hits it over your head, it gets hit over your head, but you cannot let the ball fall in front of you. So convince us how this team can you know, avoid the 100 loss mark again, obviously being in a division that's that's freaking good and got better so far this offseason. And they've, they've done a few things. We went over it, but not a lot, right, to make a huge dent, especially on offense when that was the thing. The lineup wasn't there last year so like what has to happen like a Chris Bryant resurrection what do you think uh I mean I I feel like we're still we're still a little ways away from them being in in 
striking territory to get to the postseason. I mean, they a lot of things need to go right, Scott. I mean, that's 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 a that's a problem here. Is will Chris Bryant be healthy for a full season? I think so. I think he's in good shape. Uh, he's a good player, but I, I don't think he's going to be carrying the offense. Some of the young players, like a Nolan Jones, is going to get a full season. He's really exciting. Tovar's taking a step forward. Uh, getting Brendan Rodgers healthy is important. Seeing, right? I mean, a bunch of this is like you need this to happen, and then this to happen, and then this and this and this and this. Um, it's it's a really difficult division. I still see a little bit of a transition here from you know eventually Charlie Blackman's going to move on. Uh, Elias Diaz is is at now thirty five, the catcher. Um, I I think we're going to have to start seeing some new pitchers too. Senzatella. Herman, Cal Freeland, as it, unfortunately for some of those guys, Herman is coming back from Tommy John, and Senzatel and Freeland are still in the middle of uh, of their contract. So they need they need a bunch of things to to work out. The Meyer League system is actually pretty robust right now. So depending on if the Rockies are willing to make some trades, which that hasn't been proven in the past, um, they have a ways to go. All right, so let's get back to some good news here. Uh, Todd Helton, Hall of Famer. Uh, I saw the video. We all saw the video, the excitement. You know, he's such a great guy, well-deserved, uh, you know, one of the best to ever do it, especially in a Rocky uniform, man. <clears throat> Talk a little bit about Todd and the impact he's had over uh, a lot of people and the impact in Major League Baseball. Well, I, I don't think you would appreciate this, this Todd, for you, the Todd father. I mean, this was the original Todd father for me. Yep. Uh, he also hit with two strikes better than anybody I've ever seen. Uh, when you think about flat baseball approach, Todd was was unbelievable. He was taught at a young age. He had incredible bat-to-ball skills. He was a, an incredible athlete, played football in front of Peyton Manning at the University of Tennessee. He was a Golden Spikes. He, he pitched. He was basically Otani uh, before Otani. I, I think in the case of Todd, when it's all said and done in the part where, you know, people have always kind of pooped on Coors Field, like, oh, what an easy place to hit. It's rare that people talk about the the physical toll it takes on your body. So he didn't get to 3,000 hits. Who cares? His OPS numbers, OPS on the road, he was better than Dave Winfield, better than Tony Gwynn, better than Vlad Guerrero. And that was coming from altitude down to sea level where the ball does move different. And Todd never skipped a beat. And you're in the National League West. So I, I, I love that he's represented now. I think it's really cool, too, when you have a player that played for one organization, start to finish, and then be that good and get the recognition. It means a lot to me as a former teammate. I know it means a lot to the organization to see this. Uh, it means a lot to Todd and Christy and, and his, his daughters, uh, Gentry Grace and, and Tierney Faith. Like It's a big deal uh, for Todd to get into the Hall of Fame. And beyond that, I, I love the fact and AJ, you could probably speak to this. When somebody has a two-strike approach, that's the difference. That's the separator that that make that takes you know boys to men. Uh, and Todd was a two sixty career hitter with two strikes, two sixty. So that's the part where I think it, when it's when it's all said and done, he's one of the all-time greatest hitters with two strikes. And uh, that's the reason why I think um, I'm so happy to see him in the Hall of Fame. Well, I thought he should have been in a long time ago, but that's just – and also, Spilly, I'm so old that I was going to go to the University of Tennessee, and I would have been Helton's teammate. And I went on my recruiting visit the same weekend Peyton Manning was there. So that's 
That's that's how old I am when it comes to, to knowing Todd Helton for for what almost thirty years now. So I'm very happy for him, and and congratulations, obviously, to Todd. But does Todd ever talked about his last at bat? We just showed it in that highlight pack, or his last home run, excuse me, where Jake Peavy just grooved him that home run. Did he know that was coming? Did not know it was coming. Uh, I wasn't there. I was in Japan at the time. It was like ten thirty in the morning because of the the time difference. Uh, I was a puddle watching that with the home run. I, I mean, also, there's a lot of battles between Jake and Todd over the years, especially in the National League West, but especially when Jake was a Cy Young. So that that respect, uh, and I mean, like, if you've ever been around Jake, you, you love Peeve. You know, he didn't, I don't think he grooved him one, but he challenged him with one, and Todd did miss, which you guys know more than anything. That's That's not easy to do with the pressure of having everybody there with you. Uh, for the last day. That's a really special moment. And I I mean, like, if you don't love Jake Peavy already, uh, to go and say, here's one, you know, good luck hitting it. I mean, that's, that's, ta- you know, tip the cap with the flat brim to, uh, to Peavy. Yeah, that was an awesome, awesome, awesome moment. By the way, can you point over your right shoulder? I think it's your right shoulder. Whatever, I don't know. TV sometimes, the other one. So your left shoulder. How many, how many of those trophies you got up there? Oh, these Emmys? Yeah, those I got them at, at a garage sale. Yeah. <laughs> I only I only have five of them, but I got them at a oh, garage sale. Oh, only five. Okay. Back there. Wow, uh, Billy, world's world's greatest Emmy collector at garage sales. You got Rosie, <laughs> yeah, you got it's Rosie weird. You walk into garage sales, they're just there, and you just happen yeah. to be hey, there. Todd, yeah, you saw I got Rosie the Red back there. That's a real thing. Uh, she's my number one. I mean, if if my wife is ever slipping. That's that's who you'll find me with, <laughs> is Rosie the Red. <laughs> She's a beauty, brother. I've seen Happy. her too many times. She's a beauty. <laughs> For sure. Well, her Spilly, eyes. Th- it gets dude, me all the thanks. Time. Epic. Epic behind the scenes there. Um, thanks for joining us, dude. I know you got your show on series coming up right now, and obviously can hear you on Rockies TV, Apple, the whole deal over the past year. Love what you do. And good to see you, man. Appreciate you. Great, great to see you, too. Get in and out steak next time. Yeah, I'm going to get. <laughs> I can't eat it all, Spilly. Appreciate it's too you, much. Bro. Dude, I think mine was like 16 ounces. Dude, you night. ate like a quarter of it, and then you ate all the strawberry shortcake. He's oh, just, you... he's just full of mm, shit. I, I don't full know. I, I, I th- uh, I do think you think I can eat strawberry no, shortcake? No, I think I think you crushed the steak. I, you, you, Todd Father I've, has seen I, I've me seen him eat have steak. a night. I, I've seen him get after some steak. We had a steak dinner, and Todd's like, okay, this guy can eat. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, steak one of those, he put the napkin on the neck. He's like, hmm. I'm getting that. this. <laughs> no, he, he, he could crush. Yeah. He could crush. Uh, and by the way, for Spilly, at SpillyGoat19 is the uh, Twitter account name if you want to check All him right, out. I can fix too. my hat. We'll post some clips. Yeah, we can go back to AJ from Spilly mode.